Hello and welcome to Box Not Included, the show looking at geek culture and the media we love and loathe from a queer perspective. I'm Jade, your podcast co-host, your best friend and your unrepentant <laughs> fan geek, Rose. And I'm Hamish, you know, off of TV, Steel. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Um, and in today's episode... You may have just guessed. We're taking a long-delayed focused look and indulging... It's very indulgent. In, Thank you. Uh, one of Jay's favourite things. And I have to say that the love for it has rubbed off on me. I'm contagious like <laughs> yeah. that. Um, which is actual play podcasts. Uh, most notably, that we'll be focusing on are The Adventure Zone and Friends at the Table. I'm very excited to be talking about this with you guys. We've already discussed that I am owed a let's talk about Hamish's. Uh, Love. Obsession episode. I was going to be think, polite. I think this is uh, fun to take a proper look at something. We mentioned in passing quite a lot. Yeah, that's which, part of why we wanted to do an episode sort of focusing on it. Yeah, it might make people a little bit confused. And also, both these things have big fan bases and are yes. geeky franchises in their own right. Yes. But to all of those probably a bit confused, what is an actual play podcast? Um, an actual play podcast so far as a, I understand it. Sorry, I just had a moment's panic because I sounded really loud and clear and I'd wondered if I'd left something running I shouldn't. <laughs> We're fine. It's all good. <laughs> I'm going to stop looking behind me now at the, uh, the console. <laughs> uh, an actual play podcast is people playing a tabletop game uh, and it's recorded for podcast purposes. They are actually playing the game mm-hmm. and you record... But sometimes they have music added, sometimes they don't. Uh, some people add After Effects uh, in post-production. Um, I, I think they're kind of like Let's Play videos, I suppose, is the closest bit, yeah. comparison I can draw to it. But they're playing a game. But they're playing a tabletop game. Yeah. Um, that, that is my understanding of, of what actual play podcasts are. I hadn't um, become aware that, that there was a coined term for them mm. until... You started considering doing one yourself, which yes. we'll talk about later. Yeah, that's another part of our excuse yes. <laughs> for this being... It's almost a, like a backdoor pilot. A little bit, a little bit. Um, because the Adventure Zone definitely blew up in popularity, and yes. there was a lot of fan art, and still to this day I have... I've done a little bit of fan art, but whenever I do it, um, people ask what it is. Yeah. Um... It's probably a slightly different topic about fan art of audio mediums and yes. things. But why do you think it is so popular? Um, but as a as a medium, or well, because I mean, getting into why the Adventure Zone in particular is such its own. Um, I guess like the Adventure Zone is popular for a few reasons. Yes, not uh, obviously the McElroys themselves, their own. Their popularity. own brand. Yeah, I feel I should just uh, at this point state that uh, the Adventure Zone specifically as it currently exists is a, a Dungeons & Dragons game. Played by, du- played three, by, brothers played by three brothers and their dad, the, the McElroys. Um, I mention them a lot. And it's interesting from my point of view that mm-hmm. it started off as something where uh, the draw was three brothers and their dad play D&D. Yeah. And very much you were listening to people play Dungeons and Dragons. And at the start, I liked it despite the actual play element, not okay. because of. Yes. Um, I often had to work 
through them rolling dice and initiative yeah, and all that stuff. For sure. Um, but as it goes on, it becomes just a really good story. I think that says something as to how the Adventure Zone sort of came about as an entity. Like the first, the pilot, as it were, of the Adventure Zone was they recorded them playing D&D together because Justin was going on paternity leave. Yeah. So they wanted something to put on the Mabim Bam uh, when, when Justin was going to be away after the, the birth of uh, his daughter. And they did not film that with the intention that it would become the big sprawling story that even once they started okay well this is people liked the one-off episode let's do more of these it clearly it took a few episodes but you can sort of hear when it became a oh this is going to be yeah this is going to go it takes a few episodes before music starts coming in or yeah them properly doing voices and Mm -hmm. um building a world yeah um um it's interesting um Griffin has talked uh, before about what a big fan of Friends at the Table he is, mm. and I think there's definitely influence to be to be seen there. Um, I think there. So Friends at the Table is a, another podcast, completely uh, separate. Yes, uh, Friends at the Table. Um, their first season is them playing Dungeon World, which is powered by the Apocalypse system, um, and again starts a bit shaky. But it's a the the people involved were stream friends. Other people that did let's plays together, mm. <laughs> and Austin, the GM, was like, "Oh, we could do a podcast because he'd play a lot of tabletop games in college." And was just like, "I want to play tabletop games with my friends and tell stories together." Yeah, and that was sort of where Friends at the Table came from. Well, I mean, so part of this episode is gonna be almost interview-like because I want to just ask you questions. Yeah, I'm um, excited. But I would just say that, uh, yeah, I like The Adventure Zone. Um, it took me a while. It's not my it's not my special interest or my ma- like, other thing, but I there's so much to admire about it and it's still very funny. Yes. Um, I wanted to know, not The Adventure Zone, but why specifically you like listening to other people playing a game. I love stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I like about actual play podcasts compared to, say, an audio drama is because you're seeing and feeling the story coming together in a very uh, active way. Mm. And I also like the mechanics elements because in the same way why I like improv theatre, it's like you don't know where things are going to go and you can get some really exciting things. Also, when it's an actual play podcast people are playing these characters and these characters sort of live and breathe and develop in real time and you're there with them for it. Yeah. And also I tend to like the players involved. Like I like the dynamics they have. Uh, I love the adventure zone uh, because they are siblings and their dad and it's very, very clear in how they interact. And that is very appealing to me as a listener with friends at the table they are very clearly a bunch of friends with well-established relationships. Um, if I don't like the players necessarily, I'm not going to enjoy the story, regardless of how good their story might be. But yeah. I'm interested in people. I'm interested in how people play characters. And I like stories. And that's, I think, what it is about actual play podcasts. I feel um, it's really fun hearing the characters 
react to twists mm-hmm. or moments yeah. um, very authentically. Yes. Um, and I also think that, I mean, I'd watch a TV show which was done that way where yes. there was a few actors in control of everything and then the rest of the actors were mm-hmm. trying their best to stay in character and think what their character would do in those situations, but mm-hmm. respond authentically. Yeah. Um, I feel I should suppose... The, with actual play, you also see, like, I think it's a very close cousin to streamed, like, tabletop games. Hmm. Um, it's just the the medium is slightly different, but it is the same premise. So something like Critical Role? Something like Critical Role or uh, Dread on Project Alpha, mm-hmm. which involves some of the same people. But it's people playing a game together. I think what's different about a podcast is obviously there's, like, more editing involved as opposed to being live. But yeah. But it is the same premise. It's... A, a tabletop game that's being recorded for outside consumption. Yeah, I mean, when I listen to them, I enjoy it. I think at the early stages when it was just felt mm. more like watching people play a game, I felt more frustrated that I wasn't playing it. Yes. Because um, there are times when I've thought, oh, my games are funnier than this yeah, or more exciting sure. than this. But when it's... There's a kind of a balance between storytelling mm-hmm. and actually playing a game yeah. that needs to be struck. Yeah. I also think it depends on what system you're using. Like something like Dungeons and Dragons, which is very rule heavy. Yeah. Depending on how one's flexibility regarding the rules. Mm-hmm. Like I think the Macaroys would be the first to admit that they are very loosey goosey with the rules. Yeah. And that's that's fine. Um I think when you are doing it as a game for an well, sorry to compare with Friends at the Table which uses as I said first season it's uh, Dungeon World but it's very clear that that's just the the game becomes the method with which the story is told yeah and it's just a, a, a story that's in constant flux but the act of putting it out there for an audience um, knowing that it's going to be consumed by others and it isn't just you and your friends dicking out dicking around about a, a gaming table well i think the way you play a game is different when you know there's an audience that's very true um and i think sometimes that can be good and sometimes that can be bad like yeah. if you start um making decisions based on how people will read it yes it kind of ruins what's unique about Mm-hmm. doing a role-playing game as opposed to doing an audio drama. Yeah, and I think that can be one of the difficulties that the creators have, and this is something I think we're going to expand a little more as we go on through the episode, um, is that sort of your responsibility as a creator for... When you're creating... When it's for you and your friends, you only have a responsibility to you and your friends. Yeah. When you're creating something that is to be consumed by other people, then you have to ask bigger questions. Yes, about almost. your responsibility about the content that you're putting out in the world. I think Adventure Zone has had a particular experience and journey mm. with that when things were being done in the beginning, like this was done for a joke. We did not realise like, a quick joke to make, I think Justin said about uh, Taco's name. Yeah. Like going back, he would have done it differently, but he did a joke to make his brothers and dad laugh. Yeah. And when he wasn't, they weren't to know the journey that would go on and then how Taco would be interpreted and so the racial implications that would then come in of what was initially a, this will be a funny name for a wizard. 
Yeah, I mean, the when you are usually doing tabletop, everyone decides on their characters separately, and you mm-hmm. bring them together, and then you see what you've got. Whereas yeah. if you're putting something out there, you might want to decide on the characters together to make sure there's more of a uh, balanced... Um, yeah, maybe. Sort of, maybe. I just think that... I know that, for example, Travis has talked about how he's read on the Reddit of... Um, Adventure Zone people saying that's not what Magnus would do like, and he's just like I'm, I'm, Mag- I'm Magnus that's what I that, that's what I did yeah the idea that other people are watching your decisions yeah I already get so much like stage fright just from playing a game with my friends yeah the idea that like every decision you make um, other people are going to have an opinion on yeah um, I find the Adventure Zone so fascinating in the fact that I mean, I was quite naive to fandom in many ways yeah. before I met you, maybe. Like, I remember being surprised. Oh, that... you sweet summer child. Oh, I just remember being surprised that stage shows had fandoms. Yeah. When I thought, but it's just one show. How can you? And and I learned a lot. Yeah. And the it, it still surprised me that a tabletop role-playing game that someone else is playing can have a fandom. Yeah. Um. And I think that maybe that's something they didn't anticipate strongly. Yeah. Like they'd always had fandoms, but they hadn't had... I know, but for Griffin, who's the uh, DM, had never put something out into the world, this kind of creatively mm-hmm. um, showing of his own Creativity. story. Like, Yeah, he said in recent episodes, it's like, this is the most proud he's ever been of something he's created. Yeah. Like, this story. But it's also that pressure, and I think yeah. as a as a he's DMing his brother, his brothers, and his dad, but also in a way DMing million. Well, I don't actually know how many people listen, but like so many people, mm. he's doing the story for them as well. And yeah, I, I the pressure I got from my one experience of running a game, yeah, timesing that by an infinite amount, yeah. Um, hmm. I'm surprised they still have like enthusiasm and joy for it because yeah. I would be so. But I think the reaction has been so very positive. They can't yes. help but feel enthused. Other people are invested in this story that we're telling. Hmm. So, well, I guess we'll let's talk about the adventure zone. Okay. Um, I know that's what we're already talking about, but yeah, away from its format and its fandom, mm. the actual show itself and i guess there will be some spoilers yeah um uh they have just gone into the final arc the very final arc, which is actually their finale we're in in the middle of we won't give spoilers for that i will say i will try to keep plot spoilers kind of minimal Mm. but consider that up to that point it is fair game i when did you when were you on board um i joined i bec- i was caught up and listening live as it were uh at the end of the 11th hour arc. okay so that's that was two arcs ago yes but in terms of episode numbers oh um that's a good question you don't need to... no 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 it's bugging me that i can't remember <laughs> just the rough what but like it's a commitment yeah um Honestly, at this stage, if people wanted to get caught up, I'd obviously say yeah, but I'd also say about are, episode mid forties. Okay, mid forties. They were um, 
they're starting the finale of this arc this campaign this campaign yeah um and it's very intriguing to wonder what they'll do next yeah um i'm very excited you don't necessarily need to get caught up no to join whatever they do next no however i would say the episodes are about an hour and a half long Mm. give or take some of less um we're in the early 60s late 60s episode wise i don't have any problems consuming vast amounts of media i massively do so um but yeah i suppose specifically um yeah i had seen people talking about it i think on twitter a couple of friends of mine, the way they were talking about it made it go, oh, that sounds really cool. Like, The Adventure Zone is how I got into the McElroys. That was my, I think, maybe it was early in that. No, I'd, I'd seen, like, rumblings of it. People talking about the petal, petal to, Petals to the Metal Arc. And I think that was where I first became aware of it. And I sort of joined listening live in the the 11th Hour Arc. Um, I only started listening live very like suffering game mark right yeah after that wonderland i thought you were up to date by one before wonderland ended i don't think so oh. um but I, I i i have a huge problem consuming any media yeah it's fine um especially if there's lots of episodes of it i get so distracted and mm-hmm. jump off um but i remember i when i was first listening to it i was kind of trying to catch up so I was kind of like racing through them and not really appreciating them. Yeah. And the moment I really started was um, partially Petals to the me- uh, to the Metal mm. and then full blown on the 11th hour. Uh, yeah. And I, think I feel it, those arcs are where it really sort of the story really... It was for me less the story and more, oh, you can do this in D&D? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the not only is the adventure zone a funny dungeons and dragons campaign that um you can enjoy yeah it's also just very good dungeons and dragonsing yeah or you could some purists would say it's very bad dungeons and dragonsing and i love that i mean when i think about the different arcs uh here there be goblins is very much sort of your standard D &D high fantasy fair the second arc uh, murder on the Rockport Limited is a murder mystery on a train. Then you have Petals to the Metal, which has um, heist elements and it is kind of Mad Max. Yeah, like, to you've me, got it's a like battle a big, wagon racing. It's a big Mad Max race yeah, thing. And... Well, that's actually like the back end of the arc. I argue that the race is. Dungeons and Dragons and the perception of time is very bizarre. Like, it's like Minutes five take... episodes worth of racing, racing. but in the scale yeah. of things, it's... But yeah, that is Petals to the Metal. Eleventh Hour is a Western in many ways. It's in a West... some ways. It's a Western setting, but also looks at time yeah. travel sort of... It's kind of Groundhog Day. It's yeah. Groundhog Day if it was in a Western setting, but still fantasy. Uh, then you've got uh, The Suffering Game, which is a fucked up reality we skipped game crystal kingdom we did skip skip crystal kingdom which is the closest adventure zone gets to sci-fi i would argue yeah uh um, which has got like but also has ghosts and robots it's just that i was impressed at how much i mean i feel you can really strongly tell griffin's love of video games yes in it because um 
just the collecting different things in different, very vastly different worlds. Yes. And bring them back to your home base. Yes. There's a million games I can think of that has done that before. Uh-huh. Um, but it's so interesting seeing it in Dungeons and Dragons because yes. the points of reference are so different to what people usually use. Mm, and I, I think that's really great. It's certainly inspiring to me as both as a DM and a teller of stories. Just like you are not like Dungeons and Dragons isn't as prescriptive as people like to act like it is. It's a system yeah. you use to play and tell stories. You can tell so many different kinds of stories. There's things that I've, we've said many times on our previous tabletop episodes. There's lots of things that uh, frustrate me about Dungeons and Dragons if I'm trying to play a different kind of game. We talked before how there's nothing system-wise rewarding you for emotionally connecting with your characters. Yes. Um, you should always do that. Mm-hmm. But if it's not in the actual rules of the actual structural game, it's so easy to find yourself in a group... That doesn't um, care. That doesn't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I get I get uh, added by my f- uh, friends I Dungeons and Dragons with because they they listen to this podcast and I always forget they do and I always <laughs> I always sound like I'm dragging them. I really don't mean it. I just want like I've said before my one of my first D and D experiences was are we going to talk about what happened? Oh yeah. So you talk about that and then you go on here and like no, no what uh, no, no I want to get to know my team yeah um and. I feel like the Adventure Zone has done so much good for te- sort of like teaching people mm-hmm. that you can do it like this. Yeah. You can have a whole session when there's like a handful of uh, dice rolls. Yeah. It's very much about the role play aspect yeah. of, of the game. Uh, especially when uh, in one of the arcs uh, they use a different system that was sort of Griff- uh, that was Griffin's own creation. Mm. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I... I um, I've rolled play with someone who said, "Oh, I don't." Who's been in hundreds of games and said, "Oh, I don't really role play," right? And that was very confusing to me. Yeah, and the fact that something so popular in the Dungeons and Dragons world is promoting yes, stay in character, like, use some goddamn character voices. Character voices do help. Yeah, they do. Um, and also just like be in the moment, be in the world, like be present. Be present. That's it's... some very actually wankiness right there. I'm sorry. <laughs> Energy. Um, it's just... How does that make you feel? Mm. Mm. It's just very inspiring. Yeah. I mean, I love I love it. And also, whenever I'm listening, I kind of want to, like, stop listening and start planning my own game and, like... Which I think is a sign of a good game. I think mm. it's a sign of a good actual play podcast. Yeah. Um... The one we're going to talk about after our break... Yes. ...is one I have not listened to a single second of. Yeah, Friends at the Table. It's um, a very different animal in a lot of ways. Before we get to that... Yeah. Would you like to have some tea? I'd love to have some tea. Let's put the kettle on. Let's take a short rest. I like what you did there. <laughs> well done. How are you enjoying uh, your short rest and your cup of tea? Oh, I'm regaining hit points as we speak. You roll that. You roll those hit points, Hamish. Uh, thank you for listening. <laughs> to, <laughs> thank you for listening to Box Not Included. We are not an actual play podcast. Um, some might think we are. 
Uh, yeah, actually, um, my name isn't Jade Rose at all. This is just a d- I'm really <laughs> deeply in character. Um, we did make, meet a piss witch once. We did meet a piss witch once. That was almost... She did, they didn't curse us or anything. No. Anyway. Anyway, this um, week. This week, surprisingly, we are sponsored by Beastly Beverages. And we are very happy to yes. do so. Uh, Beastly Beverages is a purveyor of fandom and fantasy, luxury, hand-blended loose-leaf tea and tea-related geeky paraphernalia. The business is queer-owned, all ingredients are organic and fairly traded, and almost all the products are suitable for vegans. And they're delicious. Delicious. And uh, we're going to specifically mention, um, uh, well, one of the new range of teas inspired by works of classic literature. Yes, including Dracula. Yes. Which includes hibiscus flowers and rosehip. Mm-hmm. There is a rosehip bush in my garden and it is the most evil fucking plant. I googled to make sure, and yes, it does sound like this tea will be bright red. And uh, you wouldn't want it any other way for a Dracula tea. Of in fact, not. actually, when um, the Beastly Beverages uh, founder, creator, mm-hmm. uh, the Beverage Beast... <laughs> the Beverage Beast <laughs> himself... himself. Uh, first said they wanted to do um, classic literature teas. I said, oh my god, Dracula, it's bright red. Um, so that's you taking credit? Taking credit for an idea that he already had. I yeah. was like, okay, that was like the first idea I came up with. Um, but it sounds really cool, and I'd love to try it. Mm. And we were just having a discussion about Duckula. So. Yeah, we were talking about Count Duckula. Um, I reckon Count Duckula would be all about a Dracula tea. Uh, yeah, I like the image of Dracula drinking some tea and be like, oh, is that blood? No, it's no, just tea. tea. Sometimes I need tea. Yeah. Um, we, all, we all need tea. And uh, if you want to buy said tea, you should uh, check out beastiebeverages.com. Yep. Um, they also have a Patreon, a Facebook, a Tumblr, a Twitter, and an Instagram. And if you want to get some of that uh, good, good Dracula tea, <laughs> you can do so. Um, That's <laughs> Sorry, that just sounds like Van Helsing having, like, tea, like, oh, let me tell you about the Dracula tea. Um, (laughs) Um, But, yeah, you can go to the website and use the sponsor code BeverageBeast to uh, get... Capital B on beverage, capital B on beast, all one word. You make that sound so much more awkward than I (laughs) Sorry. But you can use that code to get free shipping when you spend £20 or more, and they ship worldwide, so that's a deal. Yeah, they also they ship to Transylvania if uh, if that's where you are. If that's where you are, and you want to um, launch a um, go on. If you want to sue, if you're Dracula and you want to sue BC Beverages for defamation with your, just try. I it would first. say this tea is hardly defamation. It's it's very congratulatory of Dracula's fine work. Indeed. Uh, once again, <laughs> that sponsor code is Beverage Beast. Capital B's, all one word. <laughs> Do we have anything else to talk about? Uh, yes, our beloved producer, uh, Graham Waller, his synthwave duo, Glitterwolf, mm. has a new single out. It's very exciting. We played uh, the previous single a few episodes ago. Yeah. It made uh, our whole show sound a bit cooler. It did make it. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, their new single, Street Purge. <laughs> Why are you giggling? It's a good word. Purge. It, uh, it Street reminds purge. me of... Um, me and my husband wanted to do a, a candle business, but it was like macho candles. Oh, yeah. And we had like hate punch, um, blood tsunami. Cool. I don't know. Street Purge sounds cool. Street Purge does sound very <laughs> cool. Uh, it's some synth wavy goodness. And we've got a bit of it to play to you now. 
really. Yeah, really. Oh. Uh, so we'll finish off our teas while you hear some awesome synthy sounds, and then we'll be back with the rest of the episode. Ooh, I don't know what that is. That's my Dracula noise. <laughs> Good work, Hamish. Good work. I've just been drinking water. I don't know why I'm this giggly. Here is Street Purge. back i hope you feel suitably jazzed or soothed or eager whatever, whatever synth is meant to make you feel. Whatever, however synth makes you feel i hope you're feeling it in a good positive <laughs> way uh what is podcasting did we mention that that song is available to buy on itunes oh shit it is itunes google play i believe it may become available on amazon music it's good it's good um so we talked about the adventure zone Yes, there are there are lots of let's play. I don't know, let's play uh, actual, actual play, play podcasts. And I wanted to mention the fact that uh, when I first ran Fate, mm-hmm. the thing that was very useful to me was to listen to a bunch of actual play podcasts. And I just mm. typed in Fate podcast actual. and listened to a few. And it was really interesting seeing how yeah. different it could be. Yeah, I'll mention a couple more at the um, end of the episode as well. So the other big one that I know you're a fan of... Yales. Friends at the Table. Friends at the Table has a incredibly epic back catalogue mm-hmm. to get through. Um, that was a beautiful period of time I spent mainlining that. Um, what's cool about Friends at the Table is that they have these very clear seasons. Um, yes, and they have their games set in their fantasy world of Hyron that uses the dungeon world system. However, they also did sort of an uh, interim season, also set in that world, though earlier, using Blades in the Dark. Mm-hmm. And then there is their sci-fi season, Counterweight, which used uh, Mech Noir and The Sprawl as their main uh, systems. They also had sort of, I don't want to say one-off episodes, but like, They've used different systems, uh, 
spotted throughout for like holiday specials, um, including uh, the Kingdom game, is uh, or the Kingdom, um, a game that uh, Austin and Jack, one of the players, created. Uh, they've used a Sherlock Holmes game, a tabletop game. Um, they're really cool at exploring new systems. Um, they have just started their newest season uh, called Twilight Mirage, and they're using a system called the Veil, mm-hmm. which is very cool. Rather than your traditional sort of stats, uh, this game uses emotional states, mm. and it's uh, very, very cool. Uh, that that season's only like four episodes in, so if by the end of this you're thinking, mm, that friend to the table sounds pretty cool, it's a good place to jump in. Well, you recommended um, different seasons, and mm. I find that... Um, very useful. I feel like that's what the Adventure Zone might become one day. Yeah. Because I feel they won't do arcs as long as the current uh, campaigns, I, yeah, as long as the sure. current one they're doing. Most definitely. Um, and I really like that idea. When a new season starts and they use a new system, do they explain it at all? Uh, yes. They uh, often will make their world-building episode public. Mm-hmm. And then as they start, they always talk about the game rules as, the, as they go on, because usually they're new to the players as well. So yeah. they sort of explore the system. As it goes on, and then as the, the season plays through, you get to know the game system pretty well, which is cool. But you're, you're seeing it in action, which one of the great things about actual play podcasts is you can get a vibe of whether a game's going to work for you. Well, yeah, I mean, when we did our indie games one yeah, with Mel, with Mel. Um, you, do you feel after listening to more Friends of the Table, you have a much wider... Um, pool of I have a lot of games that I want to play yeah. that I know purely through Friends at the Table, which mm. uh, which is great. The thing is, while I think the Adventure Zone sort of set out at its beginning to, after as I said, apart from being a one-off, is very much meant to be sort of a comedy podcast D- playing D&D, Friends at the Table, part of their agenda, uh, when they introduce each episode, uh, Welcome to Friends at the Table, a podcast about, uh, I can't remember the exact turn of phrase for which I apologise, but it's about... Uh, Creative world building, storytelling, and fun interactions between good friends. Yeah. And that's sort of what they want to do with their podcast. Mm. And they do. I mean, the Adventure Zone is very much on brand of... The McElroys. The McElroys. And it it feels like that decreases over time. Yeah, and it becomes more about... I could actually sense in the last episode, which was sort of big, grand, emotional finale. Yeah. I remember hearing Travis... Like try and shout a joke out because things yeah. are getting too sad. It's like it's a comedy podcast yeah. joke. Um, so if that's not part of the uh, agenda, that means they treat their storytelling differently. Yeah, um, and I think as a result, it's a very different kind of podcast. Mm. Uh, and that's I don't know. I don't want to say that's a good thing. I think it is good to have that variety there. I'm not saying that Friends at the Table isn't funny because it frequently is. Like yeah. uh, the players involved, uh, it's a great bunch of people uh, with wonderful relationships that they that feed into this game. I also have cried a number of times. Uh, Friends at the Table, I've been shocked. I've been uh, emotionally grabbed. Uh, Austin is a spectacular GM uh, with a, a real gift. Are they the GM every time? Austin is always the GM. Oh, okay. Uh, except for some systems they use, which doesn't have a, the, the system doesn't necessarily have a GM. In which case, he's a player. Mm. Um, but yeah, Austin is is the GM. Though I think they've talked maybe a little about somebody else maybe doing it for a one-off. But yeah, Austin is the host and GM, and is sort of very much 
an inspiration to me as a storyteller and a, mm. as, a, as a would-be GM slash DM. You definitely got some DM-GM goals. Hardcore. Uh, these kind of, I don't know, figures yeah. that are so inspiring. What, what's great is that they're all very different as well. But they all make it look very easy. What? Yes, but also when you see them at the beginning, the struggles that they have in different ways, like working out how it sits, that balance, and that's really great to hear. Mm. It's sort of make it, oh, well, everyone starts maybe like rushing through things a little bit or not quite knowing how to deal with players being smart asses, or trying to go for the joke, mm. and that's cool. Oh, it makes me want to do it again. You should. Uh, too busy. Mm. It's, it's a, it, it, like I said, it makes them seem easy because every time I what listen to one of these things i'm like oh i want to do that i want to do that and then i get the rule book and i oh god why (sighs) why um so both these shows have had interesting representation Mm -hmm. um that makes it sound negative both shows have tried some really interesting things and tried very hard and it's it's interesting to think what representation means in this medium because it's yes very different to a movie or mm-hmm. a TV show. Because um, ultimately, whatever characters appear are being represented by the players. Yeah. And I think, well, that's part of what I'd say <laughs> Friends of the Table has, has had an easier job. Mm. Um, because when you look at the Adventure Zone, it is four white cis or people that identify as straight uh, cis guys. And they're aware of that. Mm. How, but still within the story, you've had uh, one of the main player characters is gay. Yes. Um, and one of the key NPCs is a trans woman, and that was made very clear by Griffin when uh, the character was sort of introduced. Um, that hasn't to say they haven't had pitfalls uh, in uh, Petals to the Metal. There is uh, a gay couple um who die as part of the narrative and Griffin has said like it was his sort of tragic romance angle with them because he wasn't familiar with the bury your gaze trope yeah and he apologized for not being aware of that I honestly think bury your gaze is committed most by people who want to give who want to treat it like a normal story because couples do die a lot oh I wouldn't quite agree but yes I see the point I think there's a I, I think because I want to be able to bury my own gaze. Because I, I think it's different if you're burying your own. I know, but what I mean is that there's a lack of uh, heartbreaking romance stories that, whereas straight people get all of them. Yeah, and I like those stories. It's just the fact that people have gone to those tropes first with queer characters, yes. and then removing them from said narratives mm-hmm. is an issue. However, then Griffin, what I appreciate about Griffin. Um, and the other McElroys is their commitment to learning and being better about things. Uh, this isn't to say they should get off scot-free, but they are committed to trying and learning. And another thing I appreciate is that they say, we shouldn't get cookies just for trying. Mm. It's like, it's not a big ask. This just should be how people work. Well, this is just, uh, this is part of the interesting thing about the Adventure Zone is that one shouldn't have to worry mm. about this when playing at the table of your friends. But when you are producing a product that you know is going out to a wider audience... Yeah. But the the thing... Again, this is something that frustrates me about D&D, and I don't know how he's doing it, is that 
in a tabletop game, yeah, Bo's so the 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 couple that died, yeah, it should be in the power of the game for them to have been saved. Yes, I don't. I mean, this is just my personal taste. I don't think tabletop should. It doesn't. I don't enjoy it when it's. I want to tell a story and I want to make sure you have a fun time listening to my story. Yeah, I think that that again comes down to what systems you're playing and things like that. Because mm. like things have consequences. Stories should have consequences. Yes. One could argue there should have been a way for. You could say, oh, if you're playing a game, you should be able to change the outcome. But sometimes, like, happens in video games. Like, if you fail to do a thing, this ending will happen. But that's the thing. What I'm saying is, in that one example, yeah, it feels less like a storyteller thinking, I'm going to kill these gays to give them the sad story. Mm-hmm. And it's more, there's the potential they could die because this is real and consequences of this. There's a potential they could live. There's a potential other things could happen. Yeah, maybe if things Um, had gone differently in the game, they would have survived. That's what, that's, it's kind of hard to explain, but that's the kind of context I'm saying when people complain about things. Right. I'm just like, absolutely, that's part of a trope, but that's part of a trope in TV shows which are scripted mostly by straight people yeah. and putting out a thing, not Whereas when you're using a game when you're doing, Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, It is... A lot of things, because you don't know how the story is going to happen, like mm. obviously you may have elements in place as a GM or DM, it's a different thing. Um, I suppose quickly before uh, talking about Friends at the Table, uh, one thing with regards to the Adventure Zone is the guys have sort of stressed there is no canonical appearance uh, for the characters, in which case sort of all fan art is valid interpretations. And that has led to its own set of perhaps thorny issues, uh, yeah. which has been discussed quite a lot by people smarter than me, um, especially with the release of their graphic novel about choices made with regards to portrayals of the race of the characters and certain character traits and how those are not necessarily good when associated with a particular race. It's, I don't know, it's I feel... thorny as... This feels tough, but like... I really love the fact that they canonically mentioned that one of the characters, the director, is black. Yeah, I believe the... They actually say she has dark skin. No, I believe the fan and interpretation came first of the director. I believe Kravitz is the only character that was ever described with an ethnicity. I could be wrong the wrong way around, but that was confirmed. When when doing um, lots of... (laughs) Uh, basically I've tried to do fan art and I'm terrified to do fan art because mm. it's one of these, it is a fandom where if I get something wrong, I'm not just getting something wrong because I've only listened to half of it and I've not read up enough and I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. It becomes personally horrifying to people to see things. And that means that I, I get a bit scared to engage. Yeah. Um, but I did look up, all the descriptions, and I was very aware that the director was meant, like, whether it was Fanon or not, mm. was directed, uh, described, described in the show as being dark-skinned. Mm-hmm. And that's the only time it's been done, because I did look up Kravitz and I hadn't seen that. But maybe it was the other way around on those. T- I think um, he's described as being, like, dark and han- tall, dark and handsome, maybe? Which is a weird phrase, which 
has never meant that. True, and like, but it should do, but it's weird. Yeah, those two characters it is very, 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 very rare to see either of them as portrayed as anything other than black. What I was, yes, the reason why I bring it up is yeah. that I really like that mm-hmm. it's canon and it's there. Yes, and I think there's some problem with, well, everyone else is whoever you want it to be because that doesn't really mm. count. Sorry, I just want to finish no, this no. thread please, and then... Please, um, I just have something to add to that. So yes. Please. I almost... I'm white. I almost what? feel strange, feel weirder about the pressure to make the, the characters they portray as something other than white a bit strange because I just feel that they are white people and it feels like a strange kind of blackface kind of thing if like I, I mean this is coming from someone who's my drawings of Taco have all been black I saw someone um, draw I think Reggie Watts as Taco mm-hmm. and I was like that's exactly how I view him it suddenly made sense because yeah. The other tacos hadn't made sense to me. Um, I just it it. I don't. I don't know. I I feel I feel for them yeah. as someone who's a creator and always tries my best. Yeah. Um. To. I find it odd for someone like Travis who says I basically play Magnus as myself. Yeah. I don't have a differentiation in my mind mm-hmm. between what he says and I say. To then try and mm. uh, I think I think I understand. say I don't know I just feel mm. I, I, I feel strange at the moment I'm um, in games where I'm playing characters who aren't white and mm. I feel a bit odd doing it because I don't have those experiences I don't I'm not that yes. so that's what I'm trying to say like it the other characters that Griffin for some reason when Griffin plays characters because he's a GM and playing multiple all of the then entities. it's totally cool and I like it when he canonically says mm-hmm. representation of those before the main three, the mm. players, yeah, um, I don't. I think, in short, I don't think there's anything wrong with essentially just drawing the McElroys in their costumes. Yeah, that's all. Like, yeah. in it, I have a. Sorry to keep rambling. No, on. carry on. Um, the same thing happened ages ago with Welcome to Night Vale. Yes. when I had listened to the podcast. I cannot hear anything else than a white dude mm. because that's exactly what he sounds like. And while I think it's really cool to interpret it in different ways, it feels somewhat odd and uh, ha- uncomfortable to me. Agreed. I can understand that. Uh, as somebody that doesn't do fan art, because I lack the capacity, uh, I get it. However, I also do think that there is something to be said for if you're drawing a bunch of characters and you're def- you default to drawing everybody as being white, that is... This is a... Yeah. I. This is why I think it's like... I don't... I don't default to white, but when I hear the McElroys talking and I know them so well, yeah. I can't, my brain can't imagine something different it from that. It can them. be hard to divorce. Honestly, when I listen to the Adventure Zone, I, what I'm picturing is the McElroys around a table playing D&D. Rather than the visuals of their characters. Yeah. Is that I, weird? No, I okay. don't think that's weird. Um, I mean, I want, uh, before I move on to Friends of Table, um, uh, yeah, I also appreciate that Travis has said after seeing Moana, there is definitely a version <laughs> of Magnus in his head that's, uh, like, Polynesian. Yeah, I mean, I, it's just, I find representation in actual play podcasts it's far more 
grey. Yeah, and I mean, muddy. What, then... Yeah, what I appreciate with them moving forward, uh, Travis asked for advice on one, if he should, and two, how he should maybe portray a trans character in a in a future campaign. I hope that maybe in future campaigns and games they feel like they can define what a character looks like yeah. more. That's um, something I appreciate with friends at the table. Uh, frequently when they describe when they're building the characters not every time and not every player does this but they specify aspects of what the character looks like yeah I think that was my long winding um, white guilty way Hmm. of saying I think next time they roll their characters they're gonna do better they will have learned a lot yes and I think generally I know why they say it but I find Every designer's canon and mm. you can be whatever you want. Not mm. satisfying. Yeah. But I think it's them covering where they are now rather than... True. Uh, a, a quick aside uh, with the Penumbra podcast that um, I mentioned in our last Catch Up Geek Out. When they originally started, uh, they didn't specify mm. like uh, race for a lot of their characters. But when they brought on an official fan artist or official artist, sorry, who uh, depicted uh, the character of Juno as a black man, the creators have gone to say, yeah, no, Juno is canonically a black man. And then they f- had some fall like that, but like given like many of the glaring flaws with uh, Juno, and mm. just like ascribing those traits to a, ca- a man of colour, specifically a black man. And the creators just like, look, we're restricted by our own experiences of being a white and Asian uh, specifically, I'm using uh, their, their phrases. Um, these characters exist, and f- it's complicated and hard when you're working in an audio medium, and I get it. Mm. Um, but yeah, to go on to Friends of the Table, I already said about how frequently, particularly Austin, with creating NPCs, uh, but also some of the other characters, they'll give those notes on appearance, which is cool. Uh, to speak about more our remit of representation for starters their group of players involves a couple of women players <laughs> yes which you know i got one up on the microwaves in that instance uh maybe they'll get the wives in on an episode that would be fun um uh, austin is is a, is a black guy um you have one of their players is non-binary um a lot of them not all, uh, identifies some variant on queer. Mm-hmm. And that really makes a difference. Yeah. And it feels different. Um, I mentioned in our Gaze in Space uh, with their counterweight season uh, and how none of the core characters were cishet. And I mean, it's really f- like the. I love all of the groups I've been involved in, but playing Monster Hearts recently in an all-queer group has made just the freedom of what my choices feel better. Um, Mm -hmm. The kind of way we talk about characters and gender is a lot more interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, So it does make a huge difference. It really does. Um, We talk about that aspect, and I think it's also, as a player and a creator, if you are of that group you can feel more confident in portraying that yeah 
um, in a way that's probably less intimidating for if you're trying to portray something that you are not, you personally are not for fear, especially when you're doing an, in a medium that's designed for public consumption. You do not want to get shit wrong. You do not mm. want to upset people. Uh, how, that, like boiling down all representation things, you just don't want to upset people. It's not about yeah. like offense and things. It's like ultimately in life, we don't want to hurt anyone. Most of us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Friends of the Table has been consistently... Uh, uh, certain games have lent themselves more to interpersonal relationships than others, like their Hyron seasons. There isn't a whole lot in the way of those kinds of relationships, so mm. there hasn't been the space to explore that. However, <laughs> with other characters... I'm th- sorry. That's I'm thinking it. about when on the the Adventure Zone zone, yeah. which are the episodes they... Talk about the show. They're like, yeah. Um, they talked about... so. Taco is gay, mm-hmm. but one of the reasons why we haven't seen him go on dates is that he doesn't want to date his brother. Well, yeah, like, <laughs> I just think, like, yeah, that, that makes sense. That's fair. I've been in, uh, you know, tabletop groups with couples, yeah. and it changes things a little bit. You yeah. want, don't want to do different things. Yeah, I mean, also to step out slightly from the shows themselves, that has implication in like fanfic and things like that. Yeah, uh, which isn't a discussion I I want to get into here, but influences certain choices. And that's yeah. not a bad thing. Mm. But yeah. I mean, it's to also the nature of the systems. Like, for example, in Monster Hearts, on your character sheet, it has, like, sex moves. Yeah. Like, it's built into the game, so it's probably going to happen. Yeah. Whereas in Dungeons & Dragons, you don't get any benefit from going on dates, necessarily, mm-hmm. unless there's a big bar fight <laughs> happening at the same well, time. unless you have a GM that, or DM that gives it XP for social encounters. Yeah. So... Which I do. Good. <laughs> but um yeah really i could get into specifics about plots and stuff like that, but i don't want to give things away i'd love for people to explore there's this if you go to the friends at the table twitter they have a pinned tweet at the top which is like advising what arcs to start with yeah. if you want to i do say think twilight mirage their newest season is a great jumping on point if you like sci-fi um or anime uh counterweight is the same is like um that kind of season. The Hyron games are fantasy. Uh, and then you have the Marielda interim season, which you don't need to have listened to anything else to. But that, that flow diagram they've done is a great way of working out where you want to come in on it. I I subscribe to them and I'm just watching my phone fill with episodes and I haven't started any yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh. They've got very nice co- like art, they cover do, art. Don't they? It's very yeah, pretty. It's very pretty. Uh, but they're also very well produced. Like uh, the the music for Friends at the Table is is stunningly good. Mm. Uh, one of their players, Jack, composes it all, and it's good shit. It's really so, what good would shit. you say is there um, any? Obviously, there's visuals, but any key difference between watching uh, a, a podcast and something like Critical Role, which is visual? Um, Do you notice any difference in the sort of stories or not? I suppose particularly in that because I think the kind of stories being told is more a reflection of the GMs and the games being played mm. uh, rather than the medium. I, for example, Critical Role is now releasing their episodes as podcasts. So effectively they are also an actual play podcast. I mean, so why I asked this is, mm-hmm. why have you decided to do an actual play podcast? I really love telling stories. <laughs> um, Sorry to bring that no, out I appreciate completely it. open. But... I love telling stories with people. Mm-hmm. As somebody that um, 
really struggled to write, um, which turns out might be something to do with the fact I'm autistic and executive. Cheers for actual diagnosis. And I did. I mentioned this. I think in a previous episode. But yeah, the act of collaboratively working with my friends on people I enjoy spending time with to create a story together. I love DMing. Mm. It's exhausting, but I love DMing. Um, and I love playing. And I wanted to, or I, what I want to do is, inspired by the stuff I've listened to, is to create a story and put it out there for people to enjoy, not just to be shared between me and my friends. I also really fucking love sci-fi mm. and want to play in that particular <laughs> sandbox, whereas the games I'm in are very sort of more traditional D&D fair. I knew this was always coming, mm. but you would one day uh, be making an actual play <laughs> podcast. Um, the Hamish is being dragged into. I am terrified. Yes, I am going to be in it. But it's going to be fun to hear our voices with a bunch of other voices. I'm looking forward to it. <sighs> I'm... What, what, what's interesting for me is that the people that I'm pulling together for this game, some of some know each other and some don't. And so it was going to be a, a, a fun... I hope a really fun dynamic for people to listen to, and I hope that people like the stories we tell together. But Whatever they're... stories they they are. Yeah, watch this space. We'll uh, definitely be plugging it once it becomes a thing that isn't just a Discord server with lots of <laughs> threads and a G-Doc. But we're doing our own adventure zone. We're spinning off our Yeah, we're main spinning off our to, main... do our... to do an actual play podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um... is that, I mean... Mm-hmm. Is that something that excites you as like a side project? But it, but it might not be a side project. It's like a full project in its own right. It's probably like, going to take over my life. Yeah. So um, I'm going to be doing editing of Box Not Included from then on. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, I'm hoping we'll to recruit one of my players to do production on it. We'll also try and not make uh, what happens in that game what we talk about and catch up geek out. No, you might get. Hints about it. Yes. That, that's cool. Um, some other actual play podcasts I want to maybe quickly recommend. One I listen to, um, mm-hmm. which is really cool, it's called Infinite Development. And part of their remit is to play test gate new systems that they're creating. Okay. Hence, I think, the title. But one of their agendas is about creating diverse characters. Mm-hmm which is a very cool. I'm going to be doing a cosplay of a character from their current game called Waypoint, which is a space opera game. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you were at Nine Worlds and wondered why you saw me walking around in a leather duster with even bigger hair than usual, <laughs> that's why. Um, a couple that I've heard very good things about that I don't know much about. Uh, one is Godsfall, which is, uh, I think they've got a lot of uh, queer characters in yeah. there. And um, I hear very good things. About, I believe that's D&D. And also Blue Dawn. And I don't know anything about Blue Dawn. But lots of people I know who like Friends at the Table, or even in one case, play friends are a player on Friends at the Table, really rave about Blue Dawn. Okay. So um, I hear good things. More research is required. I need to actually start listening to Friends of the Table. You do. You should. I've just been listening to murder podcasts. Yeah, okay. It's freaking me out a little bit. That's, that's cool. <laughs> that's cool, homie. I think do, I need do, a little bit of lightness. And like... do, uh, well, maybe avoid counterweight. Uh, <sighs> but, um, I was walking home in the dark listening to a murder podcast. Oh, that sounds great. a cat jumped 
onto a bin at eye level, yeah. causing the bin to echo in a kind of broom, yeah. and a cat to kind of go Meow, in my face. And I almost died because I j- jumped into the street like oh. as a motorbike was coming past. Oh, Hamish. <sighs> I cry a lot in public. Oh, okay. Because of listening. Oh, I thought you just meant to <laughs> podcast. Thanks, uh, buddy. No, uh, yeah, I'm... I'm. There, there, was, there was an episode of Friends at the Table I was listening to, and at 10 to 8 in the morning, I was sat at a bus stop, tears rolling down my face, trying not to sob. Podcasts! <laughs> I frequently have to physically smother myself laughing in my office. These podcasts all sound really cool, but they don't sound like my favourite podcast. What's your favourite podcast? A box not included. <gasps> oh, I <wish>. wish. <laughs> this is my actual life podcast. Oh, actual life podcast. <laughs> I'm great. You are great. Um, that was very interesting. I mean, I, I've learned a lot. Cool. I, your enthusiasm definitely has rubbed off on me. I, I don't credit you with why I listen to Adventure Zone, unlike all my other interests. <laughs> um, Hamilton is definitely you. Thank you. Um, it was actually the um, the Adventure Zine. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm I follow every zine happening. Yeah. And I'm sad I didn't get to be part of that, but it does have a one on the cover, which makes me hopeful that there might be no one. That'd be but cool. there's obviously the graphic novel coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, I have expressed my hope that. Not for any reason, other reason than to live up to their there's no canon appearance thing. Yeah, they'll get different artists. Get for different artists. I think that'd be interesting. I, think I don't be think it'd be cool. confusing. No, I don't. It happens with comics all the time. Yeah, but um, I still think that sounds cool. I, the the idea that an actual play podcast is having a graphic novel is otherworldly yeah, to me. That's cool. Uh, yeah, it's very cool to me. Um, maybe that'll happen one day with your one. Who knows? You do know a graphic novelist. <laughs> I do know some amazing artists. Anyway, is that us? I think that is. Um, if you want to get in contact with us uh, to recommend actual play podcasts or to express yeah. your interest in the one that I'm going to be running, uh, you can hit us up on Twitter. I am at Rose. I'm at Hamish Steele. But if you want to get in contact with Box Not Included itself... Yeah, they're uh, also on Twitter. Also on Twitter, on Tumblr. Um, I'm not very good on the Tumblr. I just post the episodes. I need to get yeah, more maybe, into posting yeah. fun stuff. If you'd like to see us posting stuff on our Tumblr and not just like <laughs> talking about the uh, podcast. Um, but the place to really hang out with us is the Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, just search for Box Not Included. Um, and you can join in the discussion there. And also, we have an email address, boxnotincluded at gmail.com. We'd like you to talk to us in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> that would be awesome. And as always, we'd like to thank Graham Waller, Audio Overlord, Master of the Soundways, half of Epic Synthwave Duo Glitterwolf. We're, we're... He does our theme music. He helps produce this podcast. And you can check out more of his work at grahamwaller.com. And you should really, like... Uh, by the by street purge and night beast because they were really cool <laughs> i have um and that's that's it until next time i'm jade rose i'm hamish still and don't let anybody book you in <laughs>